Hi, everybody. Drake Hill here. Don't forget, if you are enjoying this program, please record a review on Anchor or leave a review wherever you get your podcasts. Now here, how I grew it. And I remember him saying something like, well, you know, how how could you get an Afro? You know, who's going to pay your tuition? <laughs> and it wasn't like, I'm not going to pay your tuition, but where do you think the money comes from that, you know, keeps the roof over our head? So this was a very economic decision. It wasn't in some households. It's like, you know, you can't have nappy hair. In my household, it was these chemical straighteners pay the bills. They pay the mortgage. <laughs> Um, but he also was, you know, like many men, they like long, straight hair. And he just couldn't imagine his daughter with that, you know, big poof of an afro on her head. This is Hair, How I Grew It a show where sisters talk about their hair-raising natural hair journeys. I'm host and producer, Drake Hill Burns. I've been sporting my natural for more than a decade, but the road to getting here wasn't easy. My story reflects the hair struggles sisters have faced since our enslaved ancestors were brought to America in the 1600s, and their African hair and identity were stripped away. As we commemorate the 400-year anniversary of that painful history, Hair, How I Grew It, features Black women from all walks of life who have chosen to wear their natural crowns in a culture that promotes straight hair. On today's show, I interview Alelia Bundles. She is African-American hair care royalty. I spoke to Alelia just days before the 152nd birthday of her great-great-grandmother, Madam C.J. Walker. I'd heard of Madam Walker, the first documented, self-made Black millionaire who built a hair care empire in the early 1900s. What self-respecting Black person hasn't? But I didn't know about Alelia until my Delta Sigma Theta sorority sister and hair how I grew it guest, Tamika Felder, suggested I reach out to her. Thank you, Soror. Listen to hair how I grew it episode seven to hear Tamika share her journey back to natural hair, which includes lots of laughs, some low country history and sobering cancer and hair talk. Born in Chicago and raised in Indianapolis, Alelia has been natural for most of her life. She is a journalist, historian, and Madam C.J. Walker biographer. Even though we'd never met before I contacted her, she didn't hesitate to say yes to sharing her hair journey, and I am so grateful. So far, Hair How I Grew It has featured sisters typically talking about traumatic childhood hair experiences like hot comb and chemical relaxer burns. Alelia didn't go through any of that. Early on in our conversation, she fondly recalled her mom's gentle touch. Because my mother was Madam C.J. Walker's great-granddaughter, she knew how she knew what to do with my hair and she was really very loving about my hair um and I was tender-headed so she took a lot of time but I'm really I really feel fortunate that I never got any of those messages like your hair is really hard to deal with my mother always made it seem like she enjoyed 
doing my hair. And I had a lot of hair. I had really long hair. And I wore it in three braids for the first few years of elementary school. Um, my mother and I had a ritual where she would wash my hair. I remember being on the um, ironing board with my hair over the sink in the kitchen as she washed my hair. So that was it was a it was a good ritual. And then, you know, sitting on the floor with the. Uh, holding the hairpins or holding the barrettes while she brushed my hair. She usually used Madam C.J. Walker's hair conditioning cream, which was kind <laughs> of a light, uh, you know, a, a light cream and uh, combing my hair. And when Alelia would get uncomfortable and move around a bit, mom's soothing voice calmed her down. She would say, oh, baby, you're going to look so pretty. So, you know, just be patient. Describe your hair texture. I have a lot of things going on in my head. (laughs) Like (laughs) (laughs) All the ancestors are up there dancing. So there's, uh, you know, the Africans, the Europeans and. Uh, while I have not, you know, through DNA, been able to um, verify that there are any Native Americans that that is at least the, you know, the family lore. So there's, and when I look at my grandmother and her long braids, I'm guessing there's something there. But I have a lot of ancestors going on up there. Okay. Well, how does your hair feel to you? How would you describe it in that way? You know, I, I my hair is soft. Um, it is a kind of crinkly and it gets pretty fuzzy. Um, you know, it needs product, but it is basically soft and, you know, with a kind of loose, uh, a loose curl as opposed to a, you know, really tight, tight kink. During her primary years, Alelia's hair stayed natural, except for one time when she was eight and got it pressed for an important event at the Madam Walker Building. The block long flat iron structure is a Hoosier institution in Indianapolis. It's still okay. standing, it's a National Historic Landmark. But in that building that was built in 1927 was the, the headquarters for the Madam C.J. Walker Manufacturing Company the factory to manufacture the products and on the first floor commercial space that included the Madam Walker Beauty Salon. For the grand reopening in the 1960s, the building had been remodeled and Alelia cut the ceremonial ribbon in the ballroom. Since this was a grown-up occasion, she had to have big girl hair. So the stylist in the Madam Walker Beauty Salon gave her the pressed look. We wanted my hair to look great and I usually (laughs) wear my hair in braids, but I was going to wear my hair down and that was a big deal. To wear your hair down but um so so the, you were excited then i was excited i i didn't really know what that hot comb thing was but <laughs> but they you know they were very of course they were extremely careful with me because i was my mother's daughter and she was their friend and the great great granddaughter of madam cj walker messing up wasn't an option
happened. I really don't really remember these details. At some point, I started doing my own hair. You know, maybe I was in fourth or fifth grade because you want to do your own hair. You don't want to have to wait for your mom to do your hair every day. So at some point in elementary school, I started doing my own hair. And I may have rolled it up on rollers, you know, but it wasn't, I don't have any real hair memories from that period of time. But what I do remember is that I was getting ready to take swimming lessons the summer that I was 12. And my mother thought it would be easier for me to manage my hair if I had a perm. And so I got a perm the summer that I was 12. And at this point, my dad was president of Summit Laboratories, which is a a company, one of the companies that started in the 1950s that made chemical hair straighteners. So one of the Summit Laboratory technicians did the perm for me. Wow. So the Summit Laboratory is independent of Madam C.J. Walker production and manufacturing. That's right. But, you know, my parents we technically were competitors. <laughs> my father <laughs> had um, after my, my this, the Walker family was my mother's family. She was vice president of the Madam C.J. Walker Manufacturing Company. After my parents were married, my father worked for a couple of years as the national sales manager for the Madam C.J. Walker Manufacturing Company. And then he was hired away to become president of Summit Laboratories. And what was that like in the house? Or they just didn't talk about business at home? No, I mean, no, they talked about business because at that point, the Madam Walker Company was not really a major competitor in the business. Some of the leadership in the company were some of the people who had been there since Madam Walker. And they weren't really, um, some of the older executives really wanted to keep doing things the old way. And it is like any other industry where things are disrupted. The, the Poro Company, Apex, and the Walker Company were the companies founded by women, um, and it was basically press and curl. Companies like Summit Laboratories, Johnson Products, Softsheen, those were the companies that were, had disrupted that industry with chemical hair straighteners. So my dad was uh... a really great salesperson, and he was hired away. And, you know, as well, he wasn't. He was the husband of a person who was at the Walker Company. So there was only a certain, he was still going to have to contend with other people at the company. So for him, and it was easier to become president of another company. And in fact, he helped, you know, help the Walker Company with some of their manufacturing, some of their offsite manufacturing. So it wasn't like they were really in competition. That's why I say technically they were competitors. But Summit Laboratories was a much more successful business um, during my childhood. Okay, so the technician does your relaxer. And what was that experience like for you? Uh, You know, it was just, the whole, the goal was, how are we going to make it easier for you to do your own hair and having uh, having it chemically straightened was, basically what I was told was going to make it easier and so I went along with the program I didn't mind because and at that point this is um, 1964 and I was going into junior high school and I wanted to have some versatility on being able to roll my hair up and have some styles and you know Annette Funicello was the, the, the flip or page boys and so I was fine with it it was 
it was what seemed to make sense um, at the time. And there was, you know, it was pre-Afro, so I didn't have any issues with getting a, a straightener. Professionals always straightened my hair. When I would go to the the beauty salon, the same beauty salon my mother went to. But because my father was president of Summit Laboratories and my mother was vice president of the Madam C.J. Walker Manufacturing <laughs> Company, I know I got special <laughs> treatment. You know, I, my scalp wasn't burned. I don't remember my hair falling out. Again, Black hair care royalty has its privileges. You're listening to Hair, How I Grew It. I'm host and producer, Drake Hill Burns. Today, I'm talking to Alelia Bundles, the great-great-granddaughter of Madam C.J. Walker. She is a journalist, historian, and Madam C.J. Walker biographer. More on Alelia's natural hair journey in a bit. First, she shares upcoming Walker projects. A wise philosopher once said, if you stay ready, you don't have to get ready. And that's where I'm trying to be during this season of my life. First and foremost, having great parents helped me learn to navigate life's challenges. And three decades of working as a producer and executive in network television news prepared me for my life in public. But it was my early passion for writing that gave me the tools I needed to be able to do what I love every day. And that is to share the story of the amazing women in my family. Entrepreneur, Madam C.J. Walker, and Harlem Renaissance patron of the arts, Alelia Walker. 2020 is a banner year for many Walker initiatives. A new edition of my book, On Her Own Ground, The Life and Times of Madam C.J. Walker, comes out in mid-February. Self-Made, a Netflix series inspired by On Her Own Ground and starring Octavia Spencer, premieres on Netflix on March 20th. The Madam Walker Legacy Center, a National Historic Landmark in Indianapolis, has just reopened after a $15 million renovation. And 40,000 Walker photos, letters, and business documents have been digitized and posted at indianahistory.org. You can learn more about my Walker projects and my public appearances at www.aleliabundles.com. That's www.aleliabundles.com. Now, back to the show. My senior year in high school, um, you know, the late 60s, everybody was starting to become very conscious, Black power movement, uh, Vietnam War. And I was, you know, very conscious of this. I was in a school with 3,400 students in three grades. That was about four or five percent Black. I was editor, co-editor of the newspaper and vice president of student council and really feeling the tension around race. And I wanted to have an Afro, and that became a big battle in my house. 
I was also the co-editor of the newspaper at a predominantly white school in the Midwest. Even though we're a few generations apart, learning about our similarities made me feel connected to Alelia. She went on to further explain how natural talk caused friction at home. It was a conversation with both of my parents that I wanted to have an Afro. I, you know, I'd gotten the first issue of Essence magazine. I was the charter subscriber. That first issue of Essence magazine had a sister with a big Afro. Angela Davis had a big Afro. I, you know, people were starting to, um, to do their hair in different ways. And I was a, you know, very curious, um, young person. I was, you know, I read national publications. I was paying attention to what was going on. I was applying to college on the East Coast. I wanted to do something other than be in Indiana, which was really politically conservative. I had worn an armband on moratorium day. And even though I was an honor student, one of the administrators wanted to expel me. So I was really feeling this sense of militancy uh, and the sense of, of awareness. Moratorium Day was a massive nationwide protest that took place on October 15, 1969. Millions participated, hoping to bring an end to the Vietnam War. Many, like Alelia, wore a black armband to show their support for the demonstrations. The teacher who wanted her out for this activism didn't get his way. He had no authority to expel Alelia, and she continued to press for change. I was just in general becoming much more politically aware. You know, I read the New York Times every Sunday. That, you know, that's that was everybody else was not reading the New York Times on Sunday, but I was paying attention to what was going on. I had with other students had um, pushed for a, a black history class in humanities and it was an honors class. So I was reading W.E.B. Du Bois, Souls of Black Folk for the first time and really Finally, you know, understanding what race was in America in a in a more intellectual way. So this was my consciousness was being raised. Part of that was what was going on with my hair. And I was seeing people who I admired who had Afros. My mother was fine with it. My father was opposed to it. My father, as president of Summit Laboratories, was seeing the industry industry changed just as Summit and Johnson Products had disrupted the press and curl business. Afros were now threatening the chemical hair straightening business. Wow. And so they were seeing that people were going natural. And so that meant there were, you know, maybe there were going to be fewer people who wanted chemical hair straighteners. And I remember him saying something like, well, you know, how how could you get an Afro? You know, who's going to pay your tuition? <laughs> and it wasn't like, I'm not going to pay your tuition, but where do you think the money comes from that, you know, keeps the roof over our head? So this was a very economic decision. It wasn't in some households. It's like, you know, you can't have nappy hair. In my household, it was these chemical straighteners pay the bills. They pay the mortgage. Um, but he also was, you know, like many men, they like long, straight hair. And he just couldn't imagine his daughter with that, you know, big poof of an afro on her head. 
And we had big arguments about it. Um, it was just, it was really a lot of tension between us because not only was I going to change my hair and look different, I also was sort of the walking advertisement for Summit Laboratories products. So my father took this very personally, and so did I. But my mother, well, who I have to say was much wiser about this, um, and who understood how important it was to me, and who also understood that hair is hair, that healthy hair is, um, to use a phrase that I hate, good hair. All hair is good hair, but healthy hair is really what um, the goal was, and that was Madam Walker's goal as well. Senior year, Alelia got her way. So my mother took me to the Walker Beauty School, and the students at the Walker Beauty School rolled my hair up on permanent wave rods so because I still had perm in my hair so that my hair would be curly. And I emerged with a giant afro. Um, and they did that while my, while my perm grew out. Did you like it right away or you were kind of, of it took a minute? Yeah, no, I mean, no, I, I loved it. It was... It was what I wanted, even if it, I mean, even if I, even if it had been not, not perfect, I still would have loved it because I wanted to express that part of me. And, you know, I, when I look back on that, I think, you know, when my hair was long and when I wore it in a page boy or a flip, you know, I got lots of compliments. People thought it was, you know, pretty or cute, but the natural made me feel strong. And that's the real difference for me. It was, you know, here was something that other people place a value on. And some people think that straight hair is, you know, cute or pretty, but natural hair was, uh, was about self-expression and it was about, you know, feeling strong and it was about making a statement about who I was. So you come home and dad sees it and what? No, he doesn't like it. You know, he thinks it's he thinks it's ugly. <laughs> but, you know, I, you know, the, the fights that girls and their fathers have about any number of things is just you put it in context. Just one of, you know, one of many disagreements that you have as you are becoming your own person. So we just, you know, agreed to disagree on that. I'm sure okay. that my parents must have had some additional conversations but once I had the natural, you know, my, I knew my dad didn't really like it, but I was happy. And ready for four years at Radcliffe College, Harvard University's sister school. I arrived on campus with a giant afro and I had a giant afro for much of the time that I was in uh, in college, I got it cut off into a really short, um, short style. I wore galays and head wraps often. Um, and my senior year, I started going to a salon in Boston. Actually, by and I'm trying to think of the person's name. She was a really well-known um, Iris. Um, I'll have to think of it. A really well-known um black stylist in uh in Boston and she gave me a really great cut so I had a you know sort of a, a nice short natural that I that was the photo that I had for my senior picture 
because yeah, I had gone off and on, you know, gone to the barbers and, um, but I wasn't, you know, there wasn't a whole lot of hair care going on. I was combing my hair with a big uh, cake pick <laughs> for a long time. And then, you know, and then it just got, then I started wearing it short. It was much easier to, to deal with. But yeah, I had, I went from a giant Afro to, to a short natural during those four years. Okay. And gay lays, what, what are those? So gay lays are just African head wraps. The African, oh, okay. Yeah. They, they just called okay. them gay lays. See Alelia sporting her giant afro while working at the Harvard Radcliffe radio station in the early 1970s on the Hair How I Grew It Instagram page at Keep It Nat. That's K-E-E-P-I-T-N-A-T. You're listening to Hair How I Grew It. I'm host and producer Drake Heel Burns. Back to Alelia after a short break. You graduate from college, and uh, what does your hair journey look like at this point? So through um, graduate school, I you know I kept a, a relatively short natural. Um, I never really went back to the sort of the giant, uh, the giant Angela Davis look. That just was a lot of that was a lot of work, um, and it was just much easier to have a short natural. And I so I am one of the things that I've learned through all these years, I really don't like to have to worry about my hair. Uh, I don't want my hair to be something that requires a lot of care or a lot of fussing over that it, I want to be able to do wash and wear. So I had a you know short natural. It got a little bit longer and as it, it, it off and on, it got a little bit longer and that really had some impact on some career decisions that I made. Now, what do you mean? So when I finished Columbia Journalism School and I was, I went to work at, at NBC, I really was interested in being a producer. In my mind, I wanted to learn the business as a producer and not have to go the route of local TV stations. So it was great to be able to start at the network. But I also knew that I did not want to have to change my hair. And as a producer, I was behind the scenes, so that was not going to be an issue for anybody. But I, you know, I had sense enough to know that there were people who would want you to change your hair if you're going to be on camera all the time. And I didn't want to do that. So I ended up, you know, by choice, going the producer route, going the management route. But if it had, if hair hadn't been an issue, I might have made some different decisions. Okay, interesting. I could see that. I could see that. Did you ever then return to a relaxer, or since basically since that senior in high school, you've been relaxer free? I mean, have you played around with you know? Because there's texturizers, you know, other things out there, right? Yeah, you know, often on um, in my thirties, I had my hair straightened a couple of times I you know I I decided I wanted to let my hair grow and so you know I could always roll my hair up and sit under the dryer but because my hair gets frizzy I wanted to have some while I was wearing those styles again 
I wanted to have some control over it. So I got my hair straightened and then I let straightened how blow chem- dry chemical straightener, a chemical straightener, a chemical okay. straightener. Um, okay. and you know, and then I went to the beauty salon, but that whole beauty salon thing is, is just kind of a hassle because you, I would find somebody who could do my hair and then I would try to go before work. And if they were late, then my day was messed up and I hated sitting in the beauty shop for an hour and a half waiting for the beautician to be ready. So that was that whole beauty shop experience played into my wanting to not have to deal with that. So I was getting, I got it straightened and I would, you know, I don't know, I can't tell you exactly how long, but let's just say for a couple of years, um, I was getting my, my hair was long. I was getting a relaxer every now and then to kind of, you know, keep the frizz away. And then I cut my hair off. It was very short. I wore it short for a long time. And then I let it grow again. And I can't really tell you the time frame, but somewhere in those two decades. And I got my hair straightened. I went to a new shop. And when I left, my hair felt like straw. It just felt horrible. And I just didn't like that. And I said, this is the last time I'm going to put a chemical straightener on my hair. So that grew out. And then, and that's been, I don't know, 30 years or more. Check out the Hair How I Grew It Instagram page at Keep It Nat to see the short natural cut Alelia wore for years. I was ambivalent about straightening my hair, you know, perhaps because I came of age right at the height of the first Afro (laughs) era Uh, and off and on I would get it you know I I would get it straightened off and on during the next two decades but I was always ambivalent about putting a chemical straightener in my hair after that you know it was fine when I was 12 and I wanted to do swimming lessons but after I'd had an Afro and after I'd been natural for a long time every now I think people want to change their hairdos from time to time So I experimented with that, but I kept coming back to, I don't really like this. In case you're wondering, here's what became of the companies that played a pivotal role in Alelia's straight hair life. The Madam C.J. Walker company actually never went out of business. Um, My family's involvement was through the early 80s, the, the original Walker trustees, then sold the company um, in the mid mid early eighties, and the owners of the, the there's another group that owned the company for about thirty years, but it really never emerged as a major player. And then, about six or seven years ago, Richelieu Dennis, the founder of Sundial Brands, bought the trademark, and okay. and has um, reformulated the product. So the Madam C J Walker M C J W Beauty Culture. Uh, totally reformulated line of products available at Sephora. And I am the historical consultant for MCJW. It is part of the Sundial Brands family, which includes Shea Moisture and Nubian Heritage. So Summit Laboratories is still in business. My dad and his partner, the founders of Summit Laboratories, left Summit in the 70s and it was purchased by Clyde and I can't think of Clyde's last name but he still owns Summit and it is based outside of Chicago. 
and still selling chemical. I mean, still selling the same products. Not I, a totally You know what? Different. I don't know. I, okay, I, I don't just ask. But every now, if I'm in a if I'm in a beauty supply, I see Precon Gel is one of their is one of their products. It's sort of a setting gel. But I don't know what the the line of products is now. I asked Alelia if her dad, who worked at Summit Laboratories for years, ever warmed up to her natural. My father was old school, you know, he was never, that was never going to be the thing he liked. You know, he, he was, he's that generation and that mindset that long straight hair is what he prefers. And so he was never going to go there. And he's still my daddy. And he, I would get off the airplane with, you know, short hair. He thought it was too short. (laughs) So I was like, you know, I'm, you know. 40, 50, 60 years old. My father's still not uh, not with whatever my hair journey was, but I just was like, okay, that's fine. So we joked about it. After a point, it just became a funny episode that I could talk about with him. Like, really, Daddy? (laughs) (laughs) Sadly, her daddy, S. Henry Bundles Jr., died in March 2019. Alelia's two brothers passed away just months after that. I know it's been a tough year, beyond tough for you, and just wanting to know for you and your family, how are you doing? Um, you know, I'm doing fine. I'm hanging in there. So the one of the great things you discover is that friendships are really important. <laughs> and you, as my brother used to used to say, you can't make new old friends. This is true and very, very wise. Well, again, thoughts and prayers for you and your family. I'm just at the stage in my life where I don't really want to have to think about my hair. I want my hair to be easy. Now, that said, my hair is really long. It's the longest it's been in decades. And once I started getting gray hair, I really liked the gray hair. I'm not interested in covering it up. And when my hair was short, you couldn't really see the gray. So I started letting it grow out just kind of to see what it would look like. Well, now it's really long, but I have really kind of soft hair that doesn't have a lot of structure. I mean, the the good part of of kinking this is that it gives you some body and it gives you some structure. My hair is kind of limp. So I can't really wear it out, or at least I don't really like the way it looks if I just kind of let it hang down. So I have created a style that is a really easy two-strand twist, and I put it on the top of my head like a bun. I like that. It's easy for me. Um, But I realize that the texture of my hair is not, I'm not going to be able to do some of the styles that I like and that I see on other people. But I admire the variety. For my generation, those of us who straightened our hair with chemical straighteners or used the hot comb, when we were in high school or young adults and afros were becoming popular, there were basically two styles. You had a really large blowout kind of afro uh, that you combed out, or you had a really short natural. So there, we didn't have a lot of different styles and there weren't as many products to give us versatility fast forward all of these decades later there are tons of products that really focus on the moisturizing that our hair needs and the gels and the oils that will 
give us some versatility. So now you can walk into a room and you can see somebody with locks, somebody with hair that's, you know, out and full, somebody with twists, all kinds of different styles that really allow people to express themselves. And that I have, I have really, I love that. It's a just glorious to see all of the different styles. Have you worn braids? Have you worn wigs and weaves and the various things out there in addition to what we've discussed? <laughs> you know, I, I never have done braids or weaves. Um, and I don't, you know, I I just just never had any interest in in braids or weaves. I mean, I think my default was really short hair because I don't like that maintenance. And and I, you know, I mean, I'm just gonna say I'm, I I I try very hard not to be the hair police. You see, um, I try not to make. Um, I think however somebody wants to wear their hair at that moment in time is their choice. And I don't um, really want to judge that because I think we all have our own hair journeys. We all go through things. But I, the idea of wearing um, extensions and going and paying a ton of money uh, for that, and uh, it's, it's just not appealing to me. Alelia shares how she maintains her hair today. My routine is so different now that my hair is long. In fact, flashing back to when it was very short makes me think about cutting it all off because it was just so easy to jump in the shower every morning, shampoo, rub in some moisturizer or gel, and keep it moving. At this stage of my hair journey, my routine is this. I wash my hair about every 10 days. That sounds like a really long time to me, especially because I go to the gym almost every day. But I've learned that it takes at least three to four days for the natural oils to work their way through from my scalp to my ends. By about the fifth day, when my gray hair starts to take on a little bit of a metallic shine, I can see the combination of natural oils and MCJW products working at peak performance. Each time I wash my hair, I experiment with a different combination of our MCJW products, the Sundial Brands line inspired by Madam CJ Walker. Last week, I used MCJW's brand new, a pre-wash mask with pecan oil that smells yummy. Then I shampooed with On Repeat, which smells like melons, conditioned with Come Through, and I'm refreshing every day with On Point, a definition cream made with sugarcane, and Thirsty, a hydrating serum with coconut, bene, and pecan oils. My ends get super dry, so I use a lot of product. Every morning, I comb from roots to ends to get rid of the tangles, then brush my hair back into a ponytail, secure it with a scrunchie, do a two-strand twist, then wrap it on top of my head into a bun. I tried a few times to pull it back away from my face into a twist at the nape of my neck. But when I've seen myself in photos, the look is too severe. The bun softens my face, and as a woman of a certain age, I'm here for that. Check out the products I mentioned and the rest of the MCJW line 
from Sundial Brands sold at Sephora at mcjwbeautyculture.com. During the last few minutes of our conversation, Alelia stressed that everyone's hair texture is different. So what works on someone else may not work for you. And that's okay. The only thing that matters is how you feel. What's really important to me in talking about the hair journey is that we all, it is really ultimately about self-love and self-acceptance. And there's always going to be somebody who's not going to like your hair. (laughs) And sometimes those are people you love who may not like your hair, but it really is about your own internal conversation with yourself. And it is sometimes very difficult to, to get to a place of peace about your hair and just about how you look, about your weight or, you know, any of these things that are really the the personal expression. And not just ourselves. And I don't have any children of my own, but I do watch my girlfriends and their their hair journeys. Um, And as their daughters, especially their daughters who are in predominantly white schools, that they have made decisions to stop straightening their own hair so that their daughters will be able to be comfortable with their natural hair. So it's, you know, it is really important how you make your daughter feel about about her own hair. Oh, my gosh. This was amazing. How, how did it feel? Did it feel okay? Did I miss anything? Yeah, anything no. you, want to, you know, <laughs> I, I just I think that you're what you're doing is, you know, there are lots of people who try to tell this hair story. Uh, and I think you're doing, you know, really you're creating a really interesting body of work that um, is just our hair journeys. And so, you know, hats off to you. A seal of approval from Black hair care royalty doesn't get much better than that. Thank you for listening to Hair, How I Grew It. I'm host and producer Drake Hill Burns. Subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts and leave a review. Follow Hair, How I Grew It on Instagram at Keep It Nat. Tweet me at Hair, How I Grew It and tell me what you think of the show. Also, if you're a sister who wants to tell your natural hair story, tweet me. And who knows, I could be asking you how you grew it. Until next time, keep it natural. <laughs>